Hello and welcome to the Sports Credential Podcast. I'm your host, the editor of the Sports Credential, Stephen Boero. Thank you so much for joining us here for our first episode of the Sports Credential Podcast. Here at the Sports Credential and Music Row Magazine, uh, we're really excited to get this thing going, to be able to talk to you guys about the world of Nashville sports, the ins and outs, the industry, what's going on the field, what's going on off the field, and everything in between. So uh, thank you for tuning in. And if you don't know who the Sports Credential is, uh, we are a new publication here in Nashville focusing on everything that is Nashville sports industry related. So everything that's going on in the front office to major deals, to advertising deals, to front office shakeups, to mid-management stuff. But we also cover what's going on on the field as well. So from everything to Titans playoffs, Titans draft, Preds draft, Preds playoff, you know, all the big moves that happen in and out of the Nashville sports season. So uh, we are a subsidiary of Music Row magazine, which has been Nashville's top music industry publication for the last 30 plus years. We launched here in 2021 and we've been going strong and we've been building and we've been growing and we're so excited to bring another form of content to the Nashville sports fan. So to talk to you guys a little bit about what we're going to do here at the Sports Credential Podcast is we're going to break down a couple of the biggest stories that are happening this week, and then we're going to dive into the main chunk of the show, which will be a major topic like maybe the Titan Stadium deal or maybe uh, the new uh, GM change with the Predators with David Poyle leaving after 25 fantastic years and Mr. Barry Trotz coming back to take over that. Issues like that, or maybe, you know, the greater scheme of the NIL world within Nashville or the growing Nashville sports community with, you know, Nashville trying to bring in more diversity with women's sports, trying to get an NWSL team or uh, WNBA team. There's so much going on. There's so much in the ins and outs that we were we just cannot wait to get our hands into. So let's kick things off with our first couple topics. So the first thing we got to cover has happened this past week is the Metro Sports Authority had a uh, early meeting this month to talk about some of the, in, the ins and outs of the new lease agreement between the city of Nashville and the Titans regarding the brand new Titan Stadium deal. So there was a lot going on there, a lot of talking about who's responsible for what, who's not responsible for what, who has to pay for what, who has doesn't have to pay for what. So there's a lot going on with that, and there's going to be three more meetings this month of of March before it should be finalized. But it looks like a deal should be finalized by April. And uh, I know before Titan said hopefully the stadium would be done uh, by 2026, but it looks like now August of 2027 is looking like when the stadium will be finished to some completion where the team can start playing and fans can start attending games at the new Titan stadium. So we're going to keep an eye on for that. So make sure you uh, follow the sports credential on our social medias on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and keep up to date on our website. Cause we will be covering everything and anything regarding the new Titan stadium deal. Next thing I'd like to talk about hit on is Nashville SC three games in uh, looking fantastic. So far, seven points, two wins, one draw, and has have yet to concede a goal 
with a uh, fantastic Joe Willis in the net to anchor things down for Nashville SC. We sent some great work by the young Jacob Schaffelberg, the new sweetheart of Nashville, along with Hani Mukhtar. You know, he was injured those first two games and came on pretty late in the first game and came in at halftime against New York Red Bulls in the second game, but played a full 90 minutes in the third game and he looked fantastic. Um, you know, still a few things that Nashville SC's got to fix up. Uh, possession's not great. They only control 30, 35 possession of each of the last three games. So a lot's got to kind of fix up. And I think when Anibal Godoy and Ronda Leal come back, things will start to fall in place for Nashville. But uh, another team that we're going to continuously cover and uh, we're going to have some guests, hopefully, in the near future to talk about Nashville and how Nashville has seen how it's growing and how soccer is becoming such a powerhouse and beloved sport here in Nashville. And the last thing I want to hit on before we head into our main topic to discuss is a Titans free agency. I want to go too deep into it because it's still we're still in the really early stage of the free agency. But I want to hit on the top hit on it while I'm here. Um so Titans made a move for Andre Dillard from the Eagles, uh offensive lineman who's probably going to be playing left or right tackle. Uh, a huge get for the Titans for three years, $29 million. That's a pretty big deal for the Titans, and it's a very, very much-needed much position. And uh, we'll see where they take it from there if if he's going to play on the right side or left side, but there's still a lot of holes that Titans have to fill up, including, most importantly, offensive line. Uh, they let Nate Davis go this week. Then David Long yesterday, uh, we let him go. And we'll see that another outside linebacker. That's another hole the Titans are going to have to fill. We're going to see what type of moves that Rand Carthon and the rest of the Titans team, Mike Rabel, try to build because they have a lot of holes. Um, I think everyone's been saying that for the last couple of weeks, probably for the last couple of months, really, uh, about how they really need to just redo their offensive line. They need a center. They need a they need a left guard. They need a left tackle. They need a right tackle. Uh, they need a uh, wide receiver, too, because I think it's safe to say Traylon Burks is going to be wide receiver one. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to think about and build off of. And, you know, how hard are the Titans going to go this year? Is Rand Carthon going to go all in on the last couple of years of Derrick Henry and Rand, Ryan Tannehill? Or are they going to try to build up some pieces, pick up some draft and try to almost kind of do a soft rebuild? Because that's what's feeling right now if they continue on this pace. If not making a whole lot of, you know, free agency signings, but yeah, it's all speculation. We don't know what's going to happen. So hopefully next week and really soon we can dive deeper into Titans free agency and where they're going into next season, which is going to be very exciting, but it's March. And you know what that means? That means college basketball. So that's going to be our first topic for our first ever sports credential episode. We're going to be talking about March madness as well as local Nashville hoops. Um, first off, huge congratulations to the MTSU Lady Blue Raiders for winning the Conference USA regular season title and their tournament title heading into the March Madness tournament as an 11 seed. They were ranked multiple times throughout the year. They didn't finish the year ranked in the most recent AP poll, but uh, 25 for most of the year. Fantastic season from those ladies. Fantastic coaching performance from Rick Insell, who's been there for years, so it's going to be really exciting to see those ladies. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they can pick up a win or two and uh, pick up a few uh, upsets in the tournament. Belmont ladies, also fantastic season in their first year in the Missouri Valley Conference. 
did a fantastic job picking up the regular season title along with the Illinois Illinois State Redbirds, but lost to Drake in the conference tournament finals, And but they will be finding their way in the WNIT. I believe they're taking on Ball State, and I would not be surprised if they're going to make a deep run in the WNIT. They got a lot of young talent there over at Belmont. But obviously, the big dog in town, Vanderbilt, had been one of their best seasons in seven, five, seven years. Vanderbilt fin- finished their season 20-14 and 14 with 11 conference wins, including wins over ranked, Van- uh, ranked Tennessee and two wins over ranked Kentucky, both in Kentucky towards the end of the season and just last week in the uh, quarterfinals of the SEC tournament here in Nashville. They also had a big win over uh, Auburn, who's a tournament team, and they have a win over Mississippi State, who's also a tournament team. So that's one of the biggest things I want to talk about today is did Vanderbilt really get snubbed? They not fit quite into the tournament field. Um, There's a lot of things you got to take into account. You got to take in strength of schedule. You have to see uh, wins against Q1 and Q2 opponents, which is what the net rankings is based on, and over the last couple of years, the net rankings is everything when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And did Vanderbilt deserve to be one of the top teams among the SEC that got in? Um, eight teams got from the SEC. Eight teams from the SEC got selected to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Vanderbilt not being one of them, even though they finished in sixth place in the final standings and was a semifinalist in this year's conference tournament at Bridgestone Arena. So there's a lot to dive into. Um, first off, let's take a look at their net ranking. Vanderbilt finished the season at, with an 81 net ranking. Uh, I, I don't believe the NCAA tournament committee has ever picked a team uh, lower than 73 to be in the NCAA tournament. And if you look at the rest of the field, less the rest of the guys, it looks like Pittsburgh, Arizona State at 67 and 66, respectively, are one of the very few teams that are towards the end of the net ranking list that have made it as at-large bid teams. So if Vanderbilt's still all the way up there at eight and teams like Seton Hall didn't get through, teams like Bradley, great season, didn't get through. So there's a lot to account, a lot to think about when it comes to what qualifies a team? And when you look at you look at Vanderbilt, five quad one wins and eleven quad one losses. So you got to take that into account. Not great, but you know picking up five wins, especially against ranked teams or close to ranked teams, and all those teams wound up becoming tournament teams. Quad two teams, five and zero. Oh. Quad three, five and two. Quad four, five and one. So you look at those last two, Q3 and Q4, you have three losses. Opposed to Mississippi State, who's ranked 49th, and then they're a first four team this year. They finished the season 8-0 and in Q4. That's pretty great if you think about how they were able to just pick up those wins. I think Vanderbilt not finishing the regular season with 20 overall wins, I think that hurt them. And I do think that the committee does have a little bit of prejudice against teams with their top players being injured. I think with Liam Robert or Liam Robbins being out for the season, uh, I would not be surprised that the NCAA tournament committee looked at that and they decided not to give Vanderbilt a shot. 
But I think a lot of people knew that Vanderbilt was a French team. The biggest issue I think people have with it is they weren't even considered as a first four out team or next four out team. Uh, they weren't even in that conversation. They had Clemson over them. They had North Carolina over them. Um, they had Rutgers over them. Rutgers was arguably a team that could have really been in, maybe should have been in over Nevada, who was one of the last teams to get in. But when you look at it, Vanderbilt kind of got a lot of disrespect for how fantastic they played this year. Liam Robbins winning uh, uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, he was hurt, but that counts for something for how good this team played. And then uh, Jerry Stackhouse is probably his by far his best season here at Vanderbilt. So you got to feel that was almost like they weren't even in the conversation for them about for them being a tournament team. And then you get to the NIT. They should be a one or two seed for how good they are and how close they really should have been to getting into the tournament and how close they were to getting to the SEC tournament final. They had to overtake Texas A&M and obviously they're a fantastic team tournament team. And they won up losing to Alabama, but they were super close to getting to that final game to being one win will get away from being an automatic qualifier and the NCAA tournament. And in, in the NIT, they get picked as a three seed. So I don't know what was going on with both of these committees, their disrespect to Vanderbilt. Maybe they had, they didn't follow the season that we saw as Nash members of the Nashville community, the Nashville media, you know, we're focusing on Vanderbilt almost every single game and every single week. And they just did not get the respect they deserve for how well they played with a lot of those seniors with, um, you know, Jordan Wright being Cherry Stack Stackhouse's first recruit and hitting a game winner against Kentucky, uh, ranked Kentucky in Kentucky. You know, that's a big deal. And I just feel like there were a lot of things that got overlooked at Vanderbilt. And I'm not sure if they still have, they don't have the respect they deserve quite yet. Had a great season last year with Scotty Pippen Jr. Well, I think a lot of people coming into this season thought they weren't going to be that great. I think they were picked to finish eighth, maybe ninth in the SEC this season. And what they do, they finish sixth. They finish sixth with 11, 11 conference wins. So I think Vanderbilt has a lot to be proud of, and they have a lot to build off of. That's what I think Vanderbilt and Coach Stackhouse and his coaching staff should be thinking about right now. We have a foundation now. We have a foundation that we can win games. We can have recruits come in and become big players, maybe recruits that weren't you know, major names, that weren't the top recruits in the nation. They can come in and they can be superstars here in the SEC, which is still one of the best basketball conferences. Regardless of what people on the outside in the national media might say, SEC basketball is still some of the best in the country and has been for the last couple of years. So I, this is a foundation for Vanderbilt where they can start to take off and Jerry Stackhouse can start to build the Vanderbilt identity that he wants. So it's a shame they didn't get in, but there's still a lot to look forward to in this NCAA tournament. I mean, Tennessee should be a very good team. I actually have them going out uh, early to Oral Roberts. I have Oral Roberts being my uh, Cinderella story team this year, taking out Duke and taking out Tennessee. But we'll see. Tennessee's got a fantastic team behind them with Rick Barnes. They still have a lot of holes. They're big defensively, but defensively in the SEC tournament, they didn't show up. Uh, Mizzou really... You know, they called their number and they showed up. I think Mizzou is another SEC team that people should not be sleeping on. They are a fantastic team. But a lot of things you want to look when I look at the S the uh, NCAA tournament, I obviously I make a ton of brackets like everybody else, probably 10 brackets minimum. 
But one of the biggest things I like to look at is the outside. What's going on with the numbers? What's going on with the TV ratings? What's going on with the money? Because as we all know, college basketball, as much as they want to talk about being amateur and you know student athletes, which are still important. They're still student athletes. But then we were talking about not just millions, but billions of billions of dollars. And there's some great articles out. Uh, taking a look at you know the NCAA and the well what March Madness is going to look like because obviously in 2020 once COVID hit um, the NCAA tournament had got canceled and then the next year there were not many fans allowed at the tournament so we saw as you know uh, as revenue took a hit but over these last few years now post COVID uh, more states are opening sports books. Uh, gambling is becoming more and more common among not just you know people who always gamble to younger people who like to throw a couple bucks here and there you know people who've never really did a whole lot but they like to throw a couple bucks here a couple of bucks there but uh, drop money on the drunk money line this is a huge thing to take a look at and it's actually kind of crazy that the American Gaming Association has predicted that a quarter of all Americans, which is 68 million, plan to wager $15.5 billion this year on the NCAA tournament on March Madness. That is a crazy number to think about. $15.5 billion. Not on tickets, not on beer sale, not on merchandise, but on gambling. I think it just shows you how crazy you know sports betting has become over these last couple years and um it's a lot to take in do we think it's a good thing do we think it's a bad thing i mean 31 million plan to place a traditional sports wager while 21.5 million plan to bet casually with friends and we see that a lot you know you have a bracket pool at work everyone throws in a couple bucks you have one with your buddies and you do a big, you know, hundred bucks a bracket or you could get five brackets for a hundred bucks. So there's a lot of money flowing around. And there always has been but more and more states allowing sports books to open up. Uh, it's becoming more accessible for Americans. And I know I've been one to always question about should there be sports gambling in college athletics? Because we are already dealing with the issues of should athletes be paid? You know, the NIL issue. Now, I, I'm a full supporter of the NIL, but, you know, how regulated should it be? Uh, who's allowed to pay, help sponsor an athlete? Is a booster allowed? Is an alumni allowed? So there's a lot of issues with that. And I think one of those issues is gambling. I think uh, you see a lot of sponsors for a lot of media companies. Barstool Sportsbook is everywhere. I mean, you see uh, MGM, uh, FanDuel. These guys are everywhere, and everyone's getting a cut, whether it's sponsorship, do a whole lot of gambling content, picks of the week. You see that everywhere. Everyone's doing it. Everyone is doing it, and it's become a billion-dollar industry. It's not just, you know, the lifelong gamblers. It's, you know, moms and college kids are putting money in on March Madness or the Super Bowl. But when it comes to college athletics, I, I definitely think, there it could be an issue there because there's billions of dollars here in the college athletics. Now there's always been, but now it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger. And there's more, there's billions and billions of dollars. The conversations head is continued to head that in that direction. 
but I think it needs to be picked up because I think this year's numbers financially from the NCAA tournament is going to be the biggest ever by far with more sports books out there in states than ever, how easy it is to place a bet and just for how big this tournament's going to be. And even the women's tournament, um, they're continuing to grow. They're continuing to get bigger sponsors. They're continuing to get, get more television views. And with that comes advertisement and it comes, you know, sports betting. So I think it begs to continue. And we need to ask this question is who gets that money? Do should student athletes start getting paid? Should student athletes get a cut from the revenue from the NCAA tournament? Because we know the teams will get money. They'll get bonuses from the NCAA for making the tournament. But do the players deserve a cut of that? And that goes into the whole Title IX issue. Should the men's players get more than the women's players, even though the men's make more money? Or if you know a women's team makes more money than a smaller men's team, do they get more money than the men's team? There's a whole issue here that needs to be worked out because we're heading into a wild west in the the world of college athletics here in the U.S. And it seems like the NCAA is trying to play catch up with what the the courts are allowing now with NIL. Uh, NCAA has been trying to push down NIL for years, but now over the last few years, two years, student athletes are able to do this. NCAA needs to play catch up because things are going to get really messy really quick. And with the amount of money a tournament like the NCAA tournament brings in, I mean, it's a whole, it's March. When you people say it's March, a lot of people will be like, it's basketball season. This is March madness. I mean, my favorite number to look at is that last year, or I believe in no, the 2022 March madness tournament, um, NCAA made $1.16 billion on 2021 NCAA recorded $1.16 billion in revenue and more than 85% of that came from March madness. I mean, that is insane. And let's be honest. A lot of these kids, they're not going to the NBA and, uh, many of them that don't go to the NBA, They'll play overseas, but not for this type of money we're talking about. I mean, we're pushing $2 billion. Uh, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, uh, NCAA signed a long-term deal for 22 years with CBS and Turner Sports. That's up to almost $20 billion over that 22-year span. And the NCAA is going to receive uh, $870 million of that. It's absolutely bonkers. And that's 870 just you know, this upcoming this upcoming year for March Madness. And it just continues to raise that question. Yes, NIL is great, but it needs to be regulated. And how much further is this going to go? Because I'm, I'm all for NIL. I am all for NIL. But now, I mean, there's lots of people I know I talk to that believe that college athletes should be treated like employees. They should be getting money. And when you look at that number, $1.6 billion with the B, in 2021, and 85% of that came from March Madness. I mean, those young men and young ladies, I mean, they're bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars into the NCAA. And for the longest time, they weren't getting NIL deals. I mean, for you know, decades, they weren't getting anything. Now they are getting something through NIL, which is fantastic. So hopefully the NCAA can find a way to keep, you know, college sports 
amateur in that sense of they're not getting a paycheck from the school. But, you know, when there's a lot of money, everyone's going to want a cut of it. And with NIL, people are getting cuts. And with sports gambling, people are getting cuts, uh, except for a lot of these student athletes. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a great tournament. I personally have UCLA taking home the trophy this year, but we'll see. I don't know. Uh, usually when I pick the winner, they're usually out by the third round because I overthink it. And I make five brackets and I do them all over again, but it's going to be exciting and it's going to be exciting and interesting to see the numbers this year for TV and for sports betting. Um, I think they're going to be astronomical and they're going to bring up lots of conversations, which I'm really excited to hear. And I think they're conversations that need to be discussed and need to be discussed now before things get can get really messy. Now, before we leave, and uh, thank you again for listening to the Sports Credential Podcast, but before we leave you guys, we're going to go over some of the best things to look out each week. That's what we want to do. Before we conclude each episode, we're going to look forward to the week because there's always something going on in Nashville. Let's take a look, shall we? Uh, Sarf, Nashville SC, boys in gold, back in action on Saturday, March 18th uh, at New England Revolution. That will be 6.30 Central Time, New England have a pretty okay team this year uh we'll see there's still a whole lot to go into when it comes to this early on in the mls season lots of things can change lots of teams can an, an injury can set them back a player coming back from injury can push them forward a transfer i mean it's so up in the air but so far natural looks good which is exciting to see back in action on saturday Hopefully, Anibal Godoy and Rondalial are healthy by then. Uh, with those two guys back, I think Nashville should be looking at a really good first start to the season. Now, what <laughs> we've been talking about all day so far, college basketball. There's going to be tons of college basketball. Vanderbilt men's basketball start off in the NIT on Tuesday. So this will be dropping after the game. But yeah, Tuesday uh, at 830 at Memorial Gym, Memorial Madness, um, against Yale. Yale's got a great team. Um, they've always been a real fighter. Another team that just missed the kind of that that window of maybe being a contender, maybe not for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Yale's always a fantastic team in the Ivy League, so that'll be a fun one. Uh, I'd say keep your eye on Vanderbilt for making a nice deep run in the NIT, so... That'll be exciting, and, who, and then who they on take next early on, later on in the week. On Thursday, Belmont women will be taking on Ball State, Muncie, Indiana. So once again, another Nashville team that y'all need to be looking out for, Belmont's ladies. They always kick butt, and uh, I would not be surprised if they make another deep run. And then the NCAA tournament itself kicks off on Thursday, the 16th. Let's, let's take a look at a handful of those games. West Virginia, Maryland. Kicking off the day at 11, 15 Central Time. Uh, I think I have to go with Maryland. Let's look at Virginia Furman next. Uh, Virginia. Missouri, Utah State. I think you have to go with Mizzou. I don't sleep on Mizzou, folks. Don't sleep on Mizzou. But Utah State's a great team. That's definitely a team that can make a little bit of a run. But I'm going to go with Mizzou. Howard and Kansas. Howard, a great HBCU program. Taking on the reigning champs, Kansas. Got to give it to Kansas. Uh, Alabama is taking on one of the first four teams. Uh, can't remember which two, but doesn't matter. Alabama's winning. Uh, Charleston, San Diego State. 
San Diego State, Princeton, Arizona. Arizona's probably going to be a Final Four team or at least an Elite Eight. I'm got to go Arizona. And Illinois, Arkansas, later in the afternoon. Uh, both really good teams. It's a 9v8. But I think I'm going to have to go with Illinois over Arkansas. Sorry to all you Razorback fans, but got to go with Illinois. And then another 8-9 and nine seed, Auburn, Iowa. That is going to be one heck of a game at 10 to 6 on Thursday night. I'm going to have to go with Auburn. Yeah, I still believe in Bruce Pearl. He's a great coach. They have a great program there. I'm going to have to go with Auburn. And then Oral Roberts Duke. Like I said, I have Oral Roberts with the upset. One of my brackets, I have him in the upset. One of them, I don't. I think Oral Roberts is a fantastic team. Arguably one of the best mid-majors in the entire country and have been all season. So that's going to be my underdog story. Um, I'm going to have to go with Oral Roberts. Colgate, Texas. Texas. Boise State, uh, Northwestern, Northwestern, Northern Kentucky, Houston. Got to go with Houston, Louisiana, Tennessee. Got to go with the Vols. Penn State versus a and I'm going a and They had a fantastic season, uh, a fantastic SEC tournament as well before falling to Alabama. But yeah, I have to go with a and And then UNC Asheville at versus UCLA. UCLA, I have them winning it all. And finally, let's look at Friday's games. Another fantastic set. We have some great first round games let's go through these really quickly these are free picks folks and i'm not charging you for these so here we go usc michigan state usc is fantastic but i'm going with michigan state i think tom Izzo's squad is gonna make a deep run i think they could definitely be an elite eight team but that's just my opinion uh ucsb ucsb on versus baylor baylor i think they're gonna make another deep run vcu versus st mary's st mary's another team i think is also going to Try to push for an elite eight spot. Vermont Marquette. Got to go Marquette. Uh, Iowa State versus the first four team. Uh, I I actually have Pitt winning, uh, beating Iowa State in that first round. So first four team through. So that's that's one of my uh, wilder picks is Pitt taking uh, beating Iowa State in the first round. NC State versus Crichton. Crichton. Fantastic uh, year this year in the Big East. I think they're definitely going to be able to get to the second round. Iona versus UConn, both teams really, really close to each other in location. Uh, Iona had a great year, but I think UConn's got this. Purdue taking on first four team. Can't remember which teams those are, but doesn't matter. It's going to be Purdue. Providence versus Kentucky. I have Providence beating Kentucky. I think Providence is, you know, a well-coached team, an experienced team, and they're just a great team overall. I think Kentucky is good, and I think they'll hang, but... Um, they're going to have to have an impeccable final 10 minutes to be able to beat Providence. Uh, Drake, Miami. Miami's got an amazing team, uh, but Drake is super hot right now. They finished the season in the Missouri Valley super strong, and uh, they walked away with that title. So I'm going to actually have to go with Drake at a 12 seed, taking out Miami as a 5 seed. Grand Canyon versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Florida Atlantic University versus Memphis, 9v8. Another fantastic matchup. I'm going to have to go for Memphis. Montana State versus Kansas State. Kansas State. Kent State versus Indiana. I'm going to go with Indiana, another team that a lot of people are picking to make a deep run, and I think it's possible, but exciting to see that. Uh, TCU taking on their uh, first four team. I got TCU winning that. So those are my picks for the NCAA tournament first round. Um, Take them or leave them. Bet on them or not. I'm not telling you to do so. I'm not telling you not to do so. Those are your free picks, but that's it for this first ever episode of the sports credential podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 
please be sure to follow the sports credential on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Be sure to give me a follow as well at SJ Boero, B-O-E-R-O, sports. So at SJ Boero, sports on Twitter. Uh, I'll keep everyone up to date, always talking about what's going on in the Nashville sports world. A lot going on with the Preds, a lot going on with the Titans, college basketball. There's always stuff going on. I'm always talking. So be sure to give me a follow. Be sure to give the Sports Credential a follow. And be sure to tune in to our next episode of the Sports Credential podcast next Wednesday as we continue to dive into more topics here going on in the Nashville sports world. Once again, I'm Stephen Buero. Thank you guys for joining. And I will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>